You know, I, I know I had told you that I graduated from Lord of the Rings examples to the Hobbit examples. And, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to go back on that. I'm not trying to be wishy-washy, but I just, just one more, one more, one more Lord of the Rings one. I promise this is the last one. Maybe, I don't know. But, you know, uh, <laughs> um, in the beginning of Fellowship in the Ring, you know, um, Fellowship in the Ring, Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf is talking to Bilbo and Bilbo's got the ring. And you've seen the memes, you know, why shouldn't I keep it, you know? And uh, Gandalf says, I think I think you should leave the ring. And, and he's like, well, what business is of yours? You know, and I'm, I'm, this is not a good impression. But I love the part where he's, he's like, yells at Gandalf and he's like, you want it for yourself. And then Gandalf says, Bilbo Baggins, do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. And then he says this, I'm not trying to rob you. He said, I'm trying to help you. He said, trust me as you once did. Now, I know that that's a fictional movie example, but it'll preach. I think God is saying the same thing. A lot of times when God asks us to lay down certain things or let go of certain things, we maybe not understand why, but I think God would look at us and say, hey, listen, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. Trust me. Trust me as you once did. And, you know, if Bilbo could trust Gandalf, we can trust our Heavenly Father. Hey there, my name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Hey there, welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you're having a lovely December so far. Um, I live in the in the middle of, well, not the middle. I, mean, I live in the middle of the United States, I was going to say. Um, not the middle of my state necessarily, but my state is in the middle of the United States because it is Missouri. Um, and, and, you know, it's a crisp December day here in Missouri and it's it's a solid 74 degrees and I'm not sure why but I you know what it's kind of one of those things it's like you know when you for those of you who used to listen to the radio you know like you're you're listening to a song and you get reception just right and you're like nobody move you know don't nobody shut any doors or anything like that you know you just get because your favorite songs on and and you just you you've tapped into it and just don't move anything. You know, it kind of feels like that. It's like I don't know why the weather's so nice in December, but I don't want to I don't want to say anything to mess it up. You know, it's just I'm not talking about jinx or anything like that. I'm just you know saying in general, it's a joke. Anyway, I hope you're having a wonderful December day today on this lovely day. And um, today, oh man, I I've said day way too much, and I don't know what to do about it except just keep talking. So <laughs> I hope you're having a wonderful 24-hour period, whatever whatever it may be that you're in right now. Um, I want to talk to you today about uh, trust. I want to talk to you today about what it means to trust God. And the title of today's podcast is Trust is Worship. And this is something that 
the Lord ministered to me uh, several years ago now. I was on a trip to Florida, and I had been in, in one conference, and then I had gone from that to another conference in a nearby town. Um, it was it was funny because I, I was at this, like, you know, faith conference with these older people and, and you know, very different vibe and atmosphere, but the Spirit of God was there, and it was a wonderful time and a wonderful anointed atmosphere. And then I transitioned from that up to this, like, youth, young person's, you know, college conference thing where it's like, you know, everybody's got ripped jeans and, you know, they're throwing confetti on stage and, you know, but the Spirit of God was there too, believe it or not. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, but but it was great and it was wonderful. And I was actually in a time of worship during this conference. And uh, there was one particular song. I'll tell you where it was. It was at Southeastern University and they've got a really awesome worship band, um, SEU Worship, and I really enjoy their music a lot. And I was in a time of worship listening to them, and I felt like the Lord gave me that phrase in my heart. Um, while I was worshiping the Lord, while I had my hands raised and my eyes closed, I felt like He said, Ben, trust is worship. Trust is worship. And, and I didn't know it, but I won't get into all the details, but just a few days later, something happened that really required me to trust Him. Um, I went through something, a disappointment, and some things that I wasn't expecting, and I had to trust him. And there was an opportunity there for me to not trust him. There was an opportunity there for me to question him and say, Lord, what, I don't understand. Why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? Why you know, am I dealing with this? Why am I going through this? And you know, everybody on this planet, everybody in the body of Christ, every single person will have an opportunity, especially if you're a believer, to, to find out whether or not you really trust the Lord. Because there are things in this life that will test us. There are things that will try to confuse us. There are things that will catch us off guard and blindside us, as they say. And it's going to test your trust. You can act like, oh, you know, I, you know I'm, I know I trust God. And well, we're going to find out. <laughs> and I'm not trying to prophesy something negative to you. I'm not trying to prophesy something, you know, fearful to you by saying that. The truth is, is that what hasn't been tested can't be trusted. And for us to really trust the Lord and to say we trust the Lord, it, it means we're willing to trust Him through some stuff. It means we're willing to trust Him when we don't understand, when, when, when we're not getting it, <laughs> you know, when we're not seeing it. We're like, okay, Lord, I thought, you know, this about that. I thought this, I thought that. But then this happened, and that's, you know, I heard, I heard one minister say it this way, you know, um, expectation and reality, whenever you, your expectation is is one place and then reality hits and it's something else, the space between that tries to breed frustration in you. And, and also it tries to breed confusion and questions in you. When you're expecting one thing and then reality hits and it's different than what you were expecting, it's that space in between that tries to breed frustration and confusion. And if you're not careful, that can turn into questioning God. That can turn into questioning your faith. That can turn into questioning your ability to hear from the Lord. And it can lead to all these things if you're not careful. And that's really what is being tested. And, you know, you see in the life of Abraham that Abraham was tested. <laughs> I mean, his trust in God was stretched to the nth degree. I mean, you know, just just stepping out of his 
his parents' house and leaving his family and going somewhere he didn't even know where he was going. Man, that took some trust. That took some faith. And, you know, you can't have faith without trust. And, you know, Abraham was a true worshiper of God because it's one thing to sing a song in church. It's one thing to lift your hands. Heck, it's one thing to cry. But it's another thing to trust. And trust is worship. When you trust God, truly, you are worshiping Him because what you put your trust in, you worship. What you rely on, you worship. Jeremiah 17 talks about, Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. And he'll be like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. He'll, 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 he'll bear fruit even in the drought, it says. And it says he won't be careful during the drought. Why? Because his trust is in the Lord. He's enduring the test because his trust is in the Lord. But it also says in that passage in Jeremiah 17 that those who trust in man will experience the curse. Why? Because the curse is things being up and down, back and forth, you know, one way, one day, another way, another day, you know, the Dow, NASDAQ, up and down, right? That's the curse. That's the world we live in. It's up and down, back and forth, unstable, unreliable. But God is an even flow. God is steadfast. And when our trust is in the Lord, when our eyes are on Him, He'll make us steady. I like to say it like this. It's a little rhyme and a phrase that the Lord gave me, I believe, but when my head gets high or my heart goes low, Jesus Christ is my even flow. In other words, if, if my head begins to get puffed up in pride, Jesus brings me back down. <laughs> if my heart gets low in sadness or despair or, or you know despondency, Jesus Christ brings me back up. What He's my even flow. Why? Because he, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And when I worship Him, when I trust Him, that's worship. That, that's me relying on him. That's me exalting him and telling him, you are God in my life. You are God. You are on the throne of my heart. I trust you, Lord. And it's worship. And Abraham did this. He, he went out not knowing where he was going, and he worshiped the Lord with his trust. He worshiped the Lord with his faith, even when he didn't understand. And then, you know, other things happened. You know, he told him, you know, to circumcise his whole household, which, <laughs> let's be honest, <laughs> took some trust. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of things happen. And then God gave him a promise and said, hey, um, your, your seed is going to be like the stars of the heavens. And Abraham was an old man, and he didn't have any way in the natural to conceive a child, and he had no child. And, it, and that took some trust to, to believe that, that what God had said was true, even though it looked impossible and seemed like he was too old, he was too far gone. And yet the Bible says he believed and God counted it to him as righteousness. And the ultimate test came when God asked for Isaac, when God said, hey, Abraham, you know that promise that you believed me for and that I miraculously brought into your life? <laughs> hey, um, I want you to offer that. I want you to offer that. Now, what's interesting is that God never said, I want you to kill Isaac. <laughs> I'm serious, read it. It says, I want you to offer him there as a burnt offering. He didn't actually say, stab him, <laughs> kill him. He said, offer him. You know, a lot of times what God is looking for is us to be willing and to offer things to him because it's an act of trust. And the reason why people withhold things from God and don't trust Him with things, I'm sorry, don't offer things to Him, don't put things in His hands, is because they don't trust Him. But what God is looking for is not your firstborn. <laughs> He's looking for your trust. He's not looking for your Isaac, quote-unquote. He's looking for your trust. 
And, you know, on that note, I'll say this, you know, a lot of people use that as, as, you know, an example for a lot of different things. And it, it does apply to that, you know, us offering things to the Lord. But, you know, um, Isaac was a type of Jesus. And, you know, we, we say that like, well, what's your Isaac? Is it, is it your, you know, is it your car? You know, is it your, you know, your job? You know, is it your boyfriend or girlfriend? Like, what is your Isaac? And, you know, the truth is Jesus is our Isaac. Uh-oh, you, I bet you haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> Maybe you have, I don't know. But Jesus is our Isaac. Why? Because Isaac was a type of Christ, and, and Isaac's father laid him down, and God provided the ram. See, Jesus is both Isaac and the perfect lamb that was for the sacrifice. Here's the thing, though, that this will get, get you. God told Abraham, don't kill your son, because now I know that I can trust you, <laughs> basically. But with, with God and Jesus, God went through with it. Oh, come on. God went through with it. God sacrificed his Isaac for us, and, and he gave him to us as a gift. And Jesus is our Isaac. Jesus represents our access to the Father, and he's the spotless lamb. He was both wrapped in one. Come on, wrap your head around that with me. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to give you a little something to chew on there for a minute. You know, uh, thought I'd just throw that in there. But anyway, but there is a truth here as well that you know, just like God asked Abraham to offer up Isaac, God will ask us to lay some things down. He'll ask us to offer some things to give them to him, to trust him with it. And and, and he doesn't ask us to trust him with the things that we don't care about, because that wouldn't require any trust because we don't care. He asks us to trust him with the things that we do care about, the desires of our heart that we do care about, that that we would give that to him in worship and trust Him with those things. Trust Him to bring those things to pass. Trust that His plan and His will for our lives is better than our plan and our will and what we think. And it takes faith to do this. It takes trust to do this. But this is true worship. And Abraham passed this test. He trusted God so much that he was willing to offer Isaac, the Bible says, because he believed that God would raise him from the dead if necessary. He did it in faith and he did it in trust. He didn't do it in sadness and sorrow in the sense of he was never expecting that promise to be fulfilled. No, he did it in faith and trust. It was an act of trust in God, and it was worship. And I'm going to read this scripture to you as I, as I move on here. In Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding." In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. See, the reason why you would be dealing with confusion is because you're leaning on your own understanding. Because see, there are things that are going to happen. There are things that are going to come your way that are going to try and make your understanding go (laughs) topsy-turvy and try to turn you upside down in your natural reasoning and what makes sense to you. Now, now the Lord takes us through seasons that don't make sense because it tests our trust in Him. The devil will try to do things in your life that doesn't make sense to get you to question God and blame God for it. But, But in all things, we have to come back to this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Say that, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. See, when things don't make sense, when things don't go the way you thought they were going to go, when things take you off guard, you have an opportunity to find out whether or not you trust God. And here's the thing. 
you know, people are in turmoil and, and they're in emotional upheaval. They're in emotional torment during times like this, oftentimes because the truth is they're just not fully surrendered to God. Now, I know that, that I know how that sounds and I know how that hits, but a lot of times the more submitted you are to God, the more surrendered you are to God, the less of a battle it is when you don't understand because you're just worshiping him. You're saying, God, everything I have is yours anyway. I'm, I've put it all on the altar, not my will, but your will be done. And I trust you, Lord. Now, don't misunderstand me. When, when, when stuff's coming against you, that's the curse. When sickness and disease is trying to come against you, when, when you know poverty and lack is trying to come against you, when things that you know are the curse, you, you need to resist those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about just surrendering to your circumstances. I'm not talking about just surrendering to the work of the devil. No, not at all. We are, we're supposed to take authority over the devil. We're supposed to say, no, you're not doing that, devil. You're not going to be allowed to ha- manifest that in my life. We're supposed to put the curse in check. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when it comes to God's plan for your life and, and the things that a lot of times we think we want and, and our own plan and, and, and us thinking that we want this or want that. or Are we willing to lay down our will? You know, the Bible talks about casting all of your care onto the Lord for He cares for you. In Psalm 55, it talks about cast your burden on the Lord and He'll sustain you. Did you know that word burden in the Hebrew actually means gift? It means cast your gift upon the Lord and he'll sustain you. Hey, was Isaac a gift? <laughs> yeah, Isaac was a gift from God. And yet God said, hey, offer that to me. Release that to me. And it says he'll sustain you when you cast it onto him. Why? Because when you're trusting in him, when you're worshiping him, he'll make you strong with his strength. You're connecting to his stability. And, you know, you can't, you can't leave your cares out the altar without also leaving your will there. Uh-oh. I'm going to say that again. You can't leave your cares at the altar without also leaving your will there. And what you want, <laughs> what you think you want, what you think you desire. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Bible says to delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the secret petitions of your heart. I'm not talking about you throwing away the dream that God gave you. I'm not talking about you throwing away the vision that God gave you. No, the Bible says without vision, people perish. That's not what I'm talking about. But when things don't go the way you thought they were going to go, and, and when, you, when you run up against a scenario in which you feel like God is calling you out on something, or God is telling you to walk away from something, or God is removing something and it doesn't make sense and you don't know why, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to those moments? Do, do, you, do you start getting offended with people or God? Do you start thinking, well, God, you always do this to me. You always do the same thing to me. Why do that? Or do you simply raise your hands and say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I worship you with my trust. I, I don't fully understand everything that's going on. Um, but I trust you, Lord. See, there's stability in that. There's, there's freedom in that. There's, there's, there's something in that that the world cannot touch. Just fully surrendering to God in those moments, fully submitting to Him. I like the, the song Blessed Assurance and the line that says, perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior are happy and blessed. 
And, you know, like I said, you don't ever want to, to let go of, of your faith in an area. You don't ever want to let go of your dreams in an area. If God made you a promise, hey, hold on to it. Don't, don't let it slip for anything. If you know God said it, if you can find it in His Word, hold on to it. But, you know, there are moments in life where you still have to come to this place of asking yourself this question, am I okay without it? Am I okay without it? Now, I'm not saying that you're not believing that it's going to happen in the future or that God will do it, but are you okay? Am I okay if God doesn't do that in my life right now? Am I okay without it? Is He enough for me? And don't misunderstand me. It's good to have different things and, and, and that we want. And God is a good God. He wants us to have good gifts. But is He enough for you? Is He enough to satisfy you? And here, can I tell you the, the answer to that question? Yes. <laughs> a lot of times we ask that question in almost an accusing way. Like, oh, well, let's see if Jesus is enough for you, as if it's up to me to make Jesus enough for me. <laughs> Do you see how stupid that is, though? It's not my job to make Jesus enough for me. It's not my job to, to make Jesus be enough for me. No, I just need a revelation, watch this, that he is. Oh, come on. Praise God. I need a revelation that he is more than enough for me. It's not my job to make him be more than enough. It's not. Now, I've got to decide to, to make him Lord of my life. I have to put him on the throne of my heart. But, but the thing that helps me to do that is the revelation that, yes, Jesus is more than enough for me. Uh, he's everything to me. If, if I have him, I have everything. And even if I don't have the things that I think I want right now, I'm okay. Why? Because my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Praise God. I, I know him. Man, he's my best friend. And I've walked with him, and he's walked with me, and he's led me, and he's guided me. And without him, if I didn't have him, man, my life would be empty. And I could have every single thing I think I want. You could have every single thing you think that you want. But man, what a gift Jesus is and was to the world. I mean, we're, we're here in December in the Christmas season, and we're celebrating the birth of Christ. There's so many things that we focus on during this time of year that we want but, you know, Christmas is supposed to be a time that we look back and recognize the gift that Jesus is and what God gave to the world. He gave us a gift. It's a free gift, and it's still there. And we get so focused on these other things. And, and, and of course, God is gracious, and, and people give, and, and we get things that represent that, and it's a wonderful time. Because, because Romans 8.32 says, if He didn't withhold His Son, what would He withhold? If He didn't spare His Son... What would he withhold from you? And that's such a wonderful revelation. But let's bring it back to this. Jesus is the gift. He's more than enough for me. He's everything I want. He's everything I need. He is number one in my life. He's my first love. He's first place. And if I don't ever get any of the stuff that I think I want, he's more than enough. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying let go of your faith in an area. I'm not saying get rid of your vision. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't believe that God will do it. But let's just bring it back to that. Either way, we're building on a foundation of God is more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. And see, that's what trust is. It's reliance. It's what you're building your foundation on. Jesus talked about the one who hears my sayings and does them. He builds his house on a rock. But, you know, whatever you're trusting in, you're limited to. <laughs> and, and, and if you're building on an insecure foundation, you will be insecure. If you don't trust the foundation that you're building on, if you're afraid that it's going to break, then you won't rest. You can't rest in a house that you don't trust the foundation of. 
And, and, and if you're building your your life on a foundation that you think could change on you or shift on you or or you don't know, you know, this, or you don't know that, or what if they do this, or what if they do that, or what if this happens with the economy, or that happens with the economy. If that's the foundation you're building on, you will be insecure. It will be evidenced in, in how insecure you are, because the Bible says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and he'll be steadfast. He'll keep producing fruit even in famine. Why? Because the foundation that he's built on. And we worship God by trusting Him. We worship God by making Him our foundation. We worship Him. We worship Jesus by, by saying, Jesus, you are the Son, the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, and I'm building my life on this rock, this rock of the revelation that you are the Christ. You are the gift <laughs> from God. You are the best gift. And, and we need eyes to see that, especially this time of year, it's so good to take this time to look at that and see, hey, you are the gift. And, and I believe that if God didn't spare you, what would he withhold from me? But I'm not looking to the other things as my foundation. I'm content with Jesus. And content, you know, I don't mean that to, to describe complacent. No, it doesn't mean you're not believing for things. It doesn't mean you're not pressing forward for more. But it also means that you're not losing your confidence, you're not losing your, your steadfastness over the fluctuation of natural things. You're, you're not being shaken by the fluctuation of, of natural things. And that, that is what is revealed in that, because it's a test. And we'll all go through these tests of trust. You know, we see this with, with Job. You know, there's a lot of things that happened to Job that none of it was God's will, God didn't do it to him. A lot of people are confused about that. But, you know, for whatever reason, you know, God allowed it. He did allow it. Um, it wasn't his will. And, and I believe there's some other things we could get into about what may have opened the door to this. But, but suffice it to say that the devil gained access to Job. And, and his, his argument in the courtroom of heaven was to test him to test him whether or not he would curse God, whether or not he would leave God, whether or not he would he would walk away from God. And that was his argument that gained him access. And man, the devil hit him. The devil hit him with both barrels. He hit him with everything he had. And he, Job got tested. And and you know, Job <laughs> he got he had questions. He had, you know, he went through grief. He was depressed. I mean, he wasn't happy. He wasn't, you know, making good confessions. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't curse God. And he didn't, he didn't reject God. Uh, through most of the time, if you look at what he said, he blamed himself. <laughs> he said, that I must have done something wrong. I must have sinned. God must be punishing me. But he didn't curse God. Now, God had some pretty stern correction for Job <laughs> in the end of, of the book. And yet, when it came right down to it, God had Job pray for his friends. And, you know, the thing I want to emphasize to you is that, you know, Proverbs talks about how there is an end. In Proverbs 23, it says there's an end and your expectation won't be cut off. You know, uh, to me, that there is an end. Uh, the way I see that is there's a date on the calendar. 
the test doesn't last forever. God will lead you through seasons of being tested in an area. And I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that God is bringing sickness and disease in your life. I'm not saying that God killed your family member or caused, you know, a spouse to walk away. I'm not saying that. That's not God. That's the thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you read the book of Job, you see the devil's the one that did those things. God didn't do it. But the point of Job is not about that. The point is, did Job trust God? Because Job thought that a lot of that came from God, and it didn't. And see, that's that's part of the test, too, is, is when, you know, the enemy tries to attack you or persecute you for whatever reason, uh, are you going to blame God? Or are you going to blame the enemy? <laughs> are, are you going to act like it's God's fault? Or are you going to say Satan's doing this and, and address the real enemy? That's part of the test. Because if you don't trust God in the midst of trial, you'll think it came from him. Oh, come on, I've never said that before. If you don't trust God in the midst of your trial, you'll be deceived into thinking it came from him. It didn't. God's not the one who is persecuting you. Satan is the persecutor. But on the other side of that, there are times that God might lead you to lay something down or to do what Abraham did to to say, okay, Lord, I trust you with this. God might lead you to walk away from something a job that seemed like it was, you know, an answer to your prayer or something like that. I, I know some people who they had spent over a year building their house and, and like build it their self, like built it. They put work, they put effort, money into this, building this house. And literally like as soon as they finished this house, the ministry they were working for moved their headquarters to Colorado and they had a choice. <laughs> They're like, um, okay, <laughs> they could, you know, stay at this house that they had just built and put all this time and effort into, or they could say, God, I'm going to offer this to you as an act of trust and worship. And they did. They walked away from it and they moved to to serve the ministry that they were a part of. Man, those people love God. Why? Why can I say that? Why can? Why is there a confident reason to say that? Because they showed it. And not only that, they trust God. It took trust to do that. It, took, it takes trust to believe that God can give you something better than what he leads you to walk away from. It takes trust to do that. But it's worship. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's worship. When we trust God, we're worshiping him. And I love what, what God said to Job at the end of, of Job. Or, and not necessarily what he said, but what, what it says about Job. In Job 42, after he had come through all that stuff and... You know, you know, he didn't understand it all. He didn't know about the devil and, and the courtroom of heaven. He didn't have a revelation about all that stuff. But I, I love what it says. It says in verse 10 of 42, The Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that had been brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. And it says, The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and all these oxen. It says he had seven sons and three daughters. And I love that it says that his daughters were the most beautiful in the land. You know, whatever God led you to walk away from, he's got something a hundred times better. And, and, And anything that the enemy may have stolen from your life, hey, God's still got something better. God's able to restore it. He's a redeemer. And you know, it, it takes trust to believe that. It takes trust to believe that 
that if you lost something, if something was robbed from your life, that, hey, if it was the thief, it was the thief. I'm not, like I said, it doesn't mean God did it, doesn't mean it was his will, but he's still a redeemer and he can redeem it and he can restore it and he can bring you something a hundred times better than what you lost. But do you trust him? Do you trust him in the midst of the trial? That's what I want to communicate to you today. Do you trust him? You know, this is also evidenced in things like tithing and, and you know, I'm going to talk about this soon, but, you know, taking a Sabbath and things of that nature, you know, that takes trust to do that. You know, I'm going to do a podcast soon called Tithing and Trust. I'm going to talk about that. But, you know, the reason why it's important to tithe is because it's an act of trust. It's an act of worship. It's an offering of trust. It's giving God the gift of trust. Hey, you want to give God a gift for Christmas? Give him your trust. <laughs> Offer him your trust. And tithing is trusting him. It takes trust to do it. It takes trust to give God 10% of your income. You know what? Honoring the Sabbath day takes trust. It takes trust to take a day out of your week that you could be spending working and honoring God with it. It's worship. It's an offering. And you know, God is faithful. God will restore that time. He'll bless you. Blessed is is the man whose trust is in the Lord. So the thing I want to communicate to you today is, do you trust him? And if you trust him, you'll be blessed and you'll be steadfast. You won't be up and down. You won't be wavering. Because if you lean on your own understanding, you'll be consumed with confusion. (laughs) You will be up and down. You will be, you know, back and forth. But he's a rock. He's a foundation that you can you can build the house on, and he does not move. He does not change. God is not bipolar. He's not happy one day and depressed the next. He doesn't just go back and forth. He's not bipolar. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But do you trust him? And you know, we don't need to get upset with people if if we act like, oh, the people are not, you know, consistent or reliable or things like that. Hey, listen, are you reliable? <laughs> Don't 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 get your eyes on other people and say, oh well, they're this or they're that. Listen, we're all human, we're all learning, we're all we're all getting to a certain place in Him, and and don't don't be that way. No 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 no. Are you reliable? Am I reliable? Am I trusting in Him? Because see, if I'm steadfast, I'm not worried about other people. If I'm steadfast, I'm not upset by other people. If I'm steadfast, I'm not getting my eyes on this or getting my eyes on that. No, I'm steadfast in Him. I'm walking in Him. My eyes are on the Lord. I'm looking inwardly. I'm saying, Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to be steadfast. Help me to not be up and down and back and forth. Help me to be an even flow like Jesus. Amen. Well, this has been the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope this ministered to you today. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.